alive. He is alive. He is alive. And because He's alive, we live. And we live eternally. Saved, rescued from sin and death and hell. No fear of being caught. No, no fear of condemnation. Oh, He is alive. What a, what a reason to gather and to celebrate this Easter weekend. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, you know, as I... As I say, what a reason, it, it almost kind of implies that, that we've gathered here this morning because of one reason. But, but the reality is there, there's more reasons that, than just one that bring us in here today or, or any Sunday. There, there's always a lot of different stories going on all around us that, that brings us to landing in a pew on a, on a Sunday morning. You know, I've, I've gone to church all my life. But I haven't gone for the same reason every single time. Man, I've, I've gone to church because my parents woke me up and took me. I, I, I've gone to church out of habit. I, I've gone to church because it was fun. I've gone to church because it was the right thing to do. I've gone to church to see a girlfriend. I was 15. I just want to put that in a context <laughs> there of the timing of, of that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've gone to, I've gone to church to pray. I've gone to church to get answers. I've gone to church because I was interested in a, a sermon topic or something that was going to be talked about or, or addressed that day. I, I've gone to church because of tradition. And, and I've gone to church because I, because I loved God. Man, did I hit one of yours in there in that list? And gosh, that's a short list. Again, there's a lot of different things going on on any one service, any one Sunday that, that has us land in here at this moment. You know, I guess on an Easter weekend, tradition's playing some role for all of us, right? That, that has us sitting here this morning. But what I want to talk about just for a moment is not all of the variety of reasons that, that brings us to a church, but, but the reason. The reason that can, the reason that should bring us into a church on, on Easter or any given Sunday. And to look at that, I, I want to start with Psalm 100. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to encourage you to grab that, open it up, or maybe you're using a Bible app, but uh, turn to Psalm 100. You know, if you just kind of let your Bible fall open to the middle, you ought to be pretty close to the Psalms. Psalm 100, and b by the way, I know what you're thinking right now, you're, did we get to the sermon kind of early? It seems like this is going really fast. Yeah, we did get to the sermon early. Uh, got a little bit different order this morning. We're preparing just a, a little differently in, in how we ready ourselves to see the, the glory and the greatness of our resurrected God and King, Jesus Christ. So let's start here in Psalm 100. I'll begin reading in verse 1. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord, He's God. He made us. We're His. We're His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And His faithfulness continues to each generation. Oh, if you have your Bible open, leave it open. We're going to kind of walk down through that line by line here in just a moment. But, you know, folks, as I read that, I, I think the thought that comes to my mind is without worship. 
With, without worship, without the expectation, the, 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 the desire to see and to experience the living God. That, that I'm going to be in His presence and the opportunity in that presence to adore Him and, and to love Him and to enjoy Him. Without that, what really would be the reason that we would come here on, on Easter or any Sunday? I mean, I mean wh- why, why do we have church? Why do we gather like this? Is it a social club? Uh, a gathering of do-gooders that don't always do good? Maybe we're looking for cheap entertainment. Not a reference to the choir and orchestra. I've had to make that clear. <laughs> you know, may, maybe a religious education, right? I mean, go to church, get some good religious education. You know, I'll be honest with you, none of those reasons, without worship, Without worship, none of those reasons would actually get me up on, on, on a Sunday morning. But what, what can get us up, what should get us up, is that invitation to worship the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It is a summons for me to ascend to my highest created purpose to know and to worship my Creator to bless Him and to worship Him with song and, and, and words. You know, you know, when we gather and we worship, we, we don't make God bigger. We don't expand who He is. We don't enrich Him. We don't give Him something He doesn't have. But, the Scripture says, we do have the opportunity to bless Him. And boy, that, that reason alone should move us. He's our God, our King, our Creator. He's good, He's faithful, He's loving, and He is worthy of whatever we would bring in this moment. So verse 1 starts off there and it says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Man, we come into this moment to praise Him. And that idea, just that first line, would seem to suggest... That standing and staring might not be an option. <laughs> that might not be the idea here. You, you know, I, I say that. I, I think there are Sundays that, that we walk in here and standing and staring is about all we have in us. Maybe, I mean, maybe sometimes on a lighter note, we're just physically exhausted. It's just been a really long, hard week. Sometimes it's a little bit heavier than that. It's not a physical exhaustion. It's, a, it's an emotional or a spiritual emptiness. And honestly, it, it, was, it was all I could do to get here and to stand and stare. And, and hope maybe to, to take something in. You know, that, that's a reality. That, that happens. But that's not the way of life. That, that's, that's the exception, right? Not, not the rule. No, we want to make the rule of our lives that is, as we come in these doors, it is to give. It, it is to join each other in, in song and in praise and the, the giving of thanks and, and join each other in the worship of our God. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Do you realize that's not a command just to the Jew of the Old Testament? That's not a command just to the, to the church of the New Testament. That's a command to all the earth. Psalm 100 actually foreshadows a day when the earth will rightly acknowledge its creator and king. They will rightly acknowledge Jesus Christ and they'll be able to do that pretty easily because he will be ruling visibly, physically from Jerusalem. 
And literally, all the nations will enter His courts with praise. All the nations will come before Him. And do you know what you and I are doing today? We're practicing. We're practicing for that day. And I'll tell you something. We need the practice. Not because of how we sing. We need the practice because we forget that day's coming. We forget how real that day is. We come before the Lord to serve Him. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, there's all kinds of ways that that you and I can serve the Lord. Ways we serve Him inside the church. Ways we serve Him outside the church. But in this moment, right here, right now, we serve Him with our praise. Right now, in this moment, the way we serve God is with our praise. The, the Bible says they are coming to His presence. It, it literally means come before the face. Come before the face of God. Man, can you imagine looking at the face of God and, and what you would be doing, what you would be bringing that rightly serves Him? Well, it tells us what we bring. It tells us how we serve Him with our praise together. I mean, the passion, the desire of our lives is, is to get together and, and my song of praise, my words of gratitude, join your songs and your words and all together those words and songs rise in a, in a thunderous applause for our God. You know, we need to know how to worship the Lord alone, don't we? And we, we need to know how to do that. We need to do that. M- my guess is a lot. Most of us do. I, I, I want to be able to worship the Lord all, all by myself. We need to know how to make worship out of work, out of rest, out of play. But you know what? All these ways we can worship the Lord, all these ways we should worship the Lord, not one of them is a substitute for this moment right here. This God-ordained, this God-designed, this God-called moment where we come together as a family, as a community in unity around worship. You know what unifies us? I mean, we're all, gosh, we're different people coming from different places, leaving here and going different places. And we're just all over the place in what we're like, but we're all unified around this. We know who God is. Do you know that's not true everywhere? That, that's not true in every person, but we know who God, we know His name. Hey, do you realize God is not an impersonal force? God's not an inanimate object. God is not nature. God is a person and He has a name, Jehovah, Jesus, and He made me. He made me. He made this day. He made this church. He made the whole earth. And every piece of it, all of it together, it serves Him. It serves His glory. It serves His purposes. Now, when you start backing up from that, that means this day, this church is not here for me. It's not here to serve my purposes or your purposes or your agenda or my agenda. Matter of fact, did you know this, this body doesn't even belong to me? It belongs to Him for His glory. You say, well, come on, I'm the one who uses it. Surely this right here belongs to me, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, therefore, in light of that truth, therefore, listen to this, 
glorify God in your body. Glory, you, know, you know what this is right here? I've been given a tool of worship. I, I was given this body so that I could worship its creator. I, this body, every piece of it, all of its elements in different ways, in different times, worship, honor, glorify Him. But in this moment right here, this is what's employed. This mouth is employed to give Him praise. This mouth is employed to, to give Him thanks. Oh, we come in that room, we come into this room to, to just pour out all of our gratitude and to thank Him for all we enjoyed this week. You ever, you ever walked into church on a Sunday and thought, you know, I don't think I enjoyed anything this week? Of course you have. We all have. And we've got some weeks the only good thing was it ended. Right? Hey, let me tell you something that you and I can be thankful for no matter what kind of week we've had. No matter what kind of day we're having. We can always be thankful for this. I am His. I am His. I belong to the King. I belong to God. And boy, for that reason, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving. You know, to kind of take that verse there and, and think about what that looks like for us and maybe even geographically what that looks like for us. It, it means that as you and I are getting in our car and, and, and we're driving up to church today, that, that literally the moment we turn the engine on, we're just going to start cataloging. We're just going to start thinking about, about all the things we're grateful for. The, the things I'm thankful for that, that happened already today or the things this past week or Maybe wasn't so much to be thankful for, so I'm going to go up a little bit higher and just think about things I'm thankful for in life in general. And, and we're just going over that. If we're with others in the car, maybe we're sharing that out loud with each other. What an incredible way to come to church together. Just, just recite things, share things we're grateful for. And the idea of that passage is, is, is that as you and I pull onto the parking lot... And we begin to, to make our way across the parking lot and we enter the outer gate so that we can come in here and walk through the inner gate that, that, that the gratitude is literally building in us to the point where we're just about to pop. And then we're just waiting for the first note to release us to praising and giving thanks to our God all together. Oh, folks, you know, it's... Uh, Psalm 100 holds out such a, a joyous, fulfilling idea. Creation gathering together that knows its creator and rightly worships him. But that's, <laughs> that's not what we experience every time we go to church, is it? I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we, we don't walk out of church every time, boy, I was in the presence of God. Wow, that was fulfilling and joy. No, that, that's, that's not what happens every time. Now, why? Whew, a lot of reasons. I mean, it, it could be you. It could be people around you. It could be the guy up front going nuts. Who knows? All, all kinds of reasons that, that maybe that doesn't happen. But I, I'll tell you something. I think there's a thread through all the different kinds of reasons. And that thread would be sin. See, sin separates me from God. It makes me very much unlike Him. So think of the invitation. Come before the very face of God. Know and enjoy the One who created you. This is about intimacy. This is about closeness and proximity to God. And yet there's this sin that makes me really not like Him at all. 
It, it really makes me opposed and in rebellion to, to, to who and what he is. You know, our sin actually makes God not safe. I, I'm, I'm supposed to find my highest moment in his presence and sin makes him not, not safe. You see, that, that's the justice of God. Justice demands that, that wrongs be righted. And that's hard to grasp. It's hard to grasp when we think about ourselves. I, I, I think partly because, and I'm not saying you personally, but all of us humans, we, have to, we tend to have a low view of God and we tend to have a high view of ourselves. We also tend to have a very low view of our sin. I mean, I'm not perfect. I know I've done things wrong. But I mean, really, how bothered should heaven be about that? I mean, we just kind of minimize and, and downplay our sin. But justice demands that all wrongs, any wrongs, are righted. And we do want... Hey, it's a lot more fun to talk about the love of God. But you stop and think about it. We do want the justice, right? And you watch the news. You, you live in this world and experience this world. Man, there's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of wrong. There's a, there's a lot of pain. Don't we hope a God of justice somewhere along the way comes here and fixes all this? But, but do you realize that God coming to deal with the problem means that God's coming to deal with you? God's, God's coming to deal with me. Hey, I, I may look at somebody on the news or in the paper or experience somebody like, well, I'm not as bad of a problem as that person. Super. You're not the worst part of the problem. That doesn't mean you're not a part of the problem. All sin, every sin contributes to the world that you and I live in. We lie, we steal, we cheat, and that's just the stuff we do with everybody watching. You, you don't want the person you love the most and trust the most to actually have the ability to see what goes through this mind day in and day out. Oh, we look so holy and clean and pretty in here, especially on Easter Sunday. Wickedness flows through our minds all the time. Oh, I'm a good person. Sure, you're a good person that has wickedness flowing through your heart and mind all the time. You know, even when we do good things, you ever done something really good for a completely wrong reason? Let me answer the question. Yes, you have. Yeah, we've all done good things for wrong motives. I'm, I'm not saying everything. No, I'm absolutely confident you've done good things for good reasons. So I did something good. Does that change what's really going on inside me? Man, I'm so grateful for the, the message of Psalm 100 that tells me that God's love is steadfast. You know what that means? It doesn't quit. God never quits. Man, we quit, don't we? I'm assuming, my guess is, most of us have had at least one person in our lives where we said, that's it. The line's drawn right here. No more. It stops. Did you know God, those words never come out of God's mouth about you. He, he, on this earth, in this life, He never says, here, stop, I'm done. I'm done trying to love you. He never quits. Now that's wonderful news but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of left trying to reconcile. Okay, so there's this God that really loves me and won't let go. But there's a God of justice and, and my sin has made me so unlike Him. How's that, how's that reconciled, right? 
I, I, I want to show you. I want to I read a passage in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 8, Romans 5, 8 to 10. And, and as I read this passage, just a few sentences, but I want you to listen for all that is entailed in these few sentences. I want you to listen for love. I want you to listen for justice. I want you to listen for the cross. I want you to listen for the resurrection. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love. Now that's love, isn't it? That, that, that one wasn't hard to hear, right? <laughs> God has a great love for you. That's his love. And here's how he showed it. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ died. We're minimizing our sin. We're saying that our wrongs are no big deal. But when you look at the cross, you're actually seeing the big deal that it is to God. We're, we're seeing how God prices. We're seeing how God weighs our, our little mistakes. What you're seeing at the cross, what you're seeing in the death of Christ, is justice being satisfied. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight. Did you hear that phrase? You can, I can, there is an opportunity, as with all the wickedness running around up in here, there is the opportunity for you, for me, to stand before God for all eternity in rightness. I, I'm standing there in righteousness, no fear of what God's going to find out, no fear somebody's going to tell on me. I can stand there in rightness. That's God's love that provides that position for you and me, isn't it? That's God's love, Romans 5, 9. And since we've been made right in God's sight, but here's the cost of that opportunity. By the blood of Christ. By the blood, of, it's Christ's blood, it's Christ's death, it's the cross that made that position for me possible. He will certainly save us, there's love, from God's condemnation. There's justice. For since our friendship with God... And I don't know about you, I find those to be three of, about three of the most precious words in the Bible. Friendship with God? I can have that. I can be that with, with God, King, Creator, overall, eternal one. I can be His friend. Friendship with God, that's His love. And it was restored by the death of His Son. That's the cross. That's justice. While we were still His enemies. We will certainly be saved. There's His love. Through the life of His Son, there's the resurrection. Oh, folks, you want to know why I go to church? And not why I just enter a building for a variety of reasons that could be, but why I go to church with an anticipation and an excitement to be with you and to join you in giving praise, in singing those songs, and in giving thanks. The reason I do that is because God loves me, though I fail Him. Because God, God made a way, His work, His effort, His effort, He made the way for me to stand rightly before Him. Oh, God made me His friend. God saves sinners. And He makes them His friends. And He did that through the work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, He is worthy. He is worthy of the very most and the very best that we can give Him. All that we are. All that we have. Because of Jesus, the Son of God. He is alive. Hallelujah. Let's worship.